Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. Stories told about a small town church. This small town had experienced rapid growth and the local church congregation had outgrown their building. The members formed a committee to plan and to build a new church. The committee told the minister to take care of the flock and they would handle the details of the church construction. The minister complied with the request and kept his distance. As the new building was nearing its completion, the committee chairman invited the minister to view their new house of worship. Entering through the main doors, the minister noted only the last row of pews had been installed. At first, he was confused. The chairman of the board said, since people always fill the last row of pews first, we had a special feature installed. He pressed a button on the wall and the pew moved forward and another popped up behind it. He pressed the button and the same thing happened again and the minister was impressed. The big day finally arrived for the first service in the new church. The minister watched as the pews filled from the back and then moved forward and he was ecstatic. When the time came for the sermon, the minister was so filled with joy and goodwill, he delivered his prepared message, and then some. At 12 o'clock, he was still sharing the word when the church bells began to ring, and at the same time, the pulpit and the minister slowly descended from view. Some might like to have this feature installed for their local church because of long-winded pastors. Paul speaks of the gift of a pastor here in Ephesians 4, along with other gifts of apostles, prophets, and evangelists. We'll examine each of these gifts and their purpose in this episode. Ephesians 4.11 says, And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. When Paul wrote, And he gave, This is the head of the church, the body of Christ, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that gives these gifts. Verses 7 to 10 of this chapter teach how Christ has the sovereign right and authority to give gifts to his church, and that it is he who gave gifts unto men and fills all things in the body. Christ gave gifts to men, and he gave gifted men to the church, people who were enabled and empowered by Christ for various leadership ministries in and to the church. These gifted men are those who, for the good of the body of Christ and all men, proclaim the truth of His Word and who point toward the one who by His grace in this context descended to this earth from heaven to die for our sins and then rise again and then He has risen again and ascended up on high and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of verse 8, it reads that Christ gave gifts unto men. Then there's a parenthesis. In verses 8 and 9 are a parenthetical thought and explanation. If you skip the parenthesis in verses 9 and 10 and go straight from verse 8 to verse 11, you find that Christ gave gifts unto men, and the gifts He gave were some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. 
Regarding apostles and prophets, Ephesians 2.20 explains how the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Apostles and prophets had a foundational ministry to the early church. Apostles is the Greek word apostolos. Apple in the Greek speaks of separation, being separated. And this speaks of, uh, an apostle speaks of a person separated out and then sent forth by another, sent out on a mission with the authority of the one who sent him. And an apostle of God was one who was separated out by God and sent forth by him with his authority. In John thirteen sixteen, our Lord said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. The words, he that is sent, is the Greek word apostolos, and defines this term. But this verse also reminds us that an apostle was one who was under the authority of the one who sent him. This gift was authenticated in the early church by signs and miracles, verifying that they were indeed sent by the Lord. As 2 Corinthians 12.12 says, Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you, and all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. God revealed His Word and His message of grace for today supernaturally to grace apostles in the early church, the body of Christ. Speaking of this message, the revelation of the mystery, Paul wrote just a few verses earlier in chapter 3, verse 5, that in other ages that mystery was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. These apostles do not include the twelve apostles of the kingdom, but rather refer to secondary grace apostles such as Timothy and Silas, and also men with this foundational gift of apostles for the early church. Prophets were those who proclaimed God's word. They were spokesmen or mouthpieces of God. Like apostles, God revealed his word and message of grace supernaturally to them during the formative stages of the church, the body of Christ. These are grace prophets, not prophets for the earthly kingdom of Christ. The revelation given to them was the grace truth for the body of Christ. Those with the gift of prophets supernaturally, by the Spirit, spoke and made known the revelation of God for this dispensation of grace without error and with perfect accuracy. They spoke directly by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, making known the truths that are now recorded in Paul's letters. 1 Corinthians 13.2 says of the gift of prophecy, that it entailed the ability to understand all mysteries and all knowledge. 1 Corinthians 14.3 says of this gift, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. Those with the gift of prophets understood and had all knowledge concerning the revelation of the mystery. And their message, as we find and we read in Paul's epistles, was one of edification, exhortation, and comfort. When Paul wrote Ephesians, the gift of apostles and prophets were still being given. 
But apostles and prophets were only foundational gifts for the church. Once that foundation was laid, once the scriptures were completed, there was no longer a need for these gifts. Thus, once they fulfilled their purpose, they ceased. The other two gifts in verse 11 remain to this moment. The gift of evangelist speaks of one who is the messenger of good news. They are divinely equipped and gifted to win the lost to Christ. Those with this gift boldly, plainly, and powerfully speak forth the gospel of grace by which the Spirit brings about new birth in the hearts of the unsaved hearer. Those with the gift of evangelists proclaim the word as it relates to people's need for salvation. The message of the evangelist today is the good news of Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, presenting Christ's offer of the gift of salvation by grace through faith alone in his finished work. We are all to do the work of an evangelist, according to 2 Timothy 4, 5, But God has also given gifted people to the church who are gifted in the area of evangelism. Evangelists function in a local church, and they also include our missionaries who pioneer and have been given a strong call and burdened by God to go into unreached areas to reach the lost for Christ. Evangelists have the special ability to probe the conscience, answer objections, encourage decisions for Christ, and help the convert find assurance through the Word. These messengers of good news not only preach the gospel themselves, but they also help equip and they inspire the church in this important ministry for each of us to faithfully carry out. The gift of pastors and teachers is one gift here, according to the construction of the original Greek. And also you can see in the King James translation by the word some not repeated in front of the word teachers. It is one office with two ministries, a pastor teacher. According to Romans 12:7, there is a gift of teaching, but Paul speaks here of a pastor teacher, which is something different. My father, Pastor Paul Sadler, once said, While every pastor is a teacher, not every teacher is a pastor. And he was right, and we see that in the church. The word pastor means shepherd. Pastor and teachers speaks of the gift of one who, like a shepherd, oversees, cares for, protects, guides, and serves the flock. A pastor teacher leads and feeds his church. He shepherds and trains, and he does this by the Word of God. The Word is the food which gives his flock nourishment. The Word is his staff that guides and protects those in his care. And this is why the pastor must teach. The pastor-teacher is to enrich the church's knowledge of God and his Word. He is to encourage the church to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, and he is called to be an example to the church. One author wrote this about the connection between the ministries of the evangelist and the pastor-teacher. The evangelist deals with the beginning of Christian life. 
while the teaching pastor is involved with the development and growth of that life. Evangelists are much like obstetricians, helping to bring new Christians into the church. Teaching pastors are like pediatricians, seeing that these Christians have a healthy spiritual diet, that their diseases receive proper attention, and that they get plenty of spiritual fresh air and exercise. Each of these gifts was and is involved in some way or another with the proclamation of the Word of God. Through apostles and prophets, the Word was revealed to the early church. And through evangelists and pastor teachers, the Word is declared and taught. Also, Christ has given these gifts to His church. And Christ is the perfect illustration and goal of every spiritual gift. If ever there was an apostle, one sent on a commission from God with God's authority, it was Christ. If ever there was a prophet, a mouthpiece of the very words of God, it was Christ. If ever there was a, an evangelist, a messenger of good news, it was Christ. If ever there was a pastor-teacher, a shepherd who guided and protected and taught God's Word, it was Christ. The supreme example of these gifts is the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is the one who gives the gifts. He is the goal of the gifts. And His grace provides the enablement to do the gifts. It's all about Him. Ephesians 4, 12 and 13 read, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The purpose of these gifts is also clear. It is that God's people might be equipped for the work of the ministry, so that the entire body of Christ would be built up. Paul wrote that the gifts spoken of in verse 11 are for the perfecting or equipping of the saints. The Greek word for perfecting is interesting. It was used to describe the mending of fishing nets. The gifted leaders given to the church work together to produce strong, mended, equipped, mature believers in order to prepare the saints for the work of the ministry. The King James Version with the three sections of this verse set off by commas make it look like the purpose of the gifted men of verse 11 is three separate things, but they are actually links in a chain. The construction of the verse is that as gifted leaders are responsible for equipping the saints by the word of God, then the well-equipped saints are responsible to do the work of the ministry, and then the result is that the entire body of Christ will be built up and encouraged. Evangelists and pastor-teachers, of course, are engaged in the work of the ministry, but the point is they don't do it by themselves. All the saints in the church are called to participate in ministry, Every believer is truly in the ministry. Once you're saved, you're in the ministry. Evangelists and pastor teachers equip the body of Christ to work and to serve the Lord in accordance with their various spiritual gifts. 
the saints are equipped for the work of the ministry through the Word of God, through being trained and established in it. The Holy Spirit works through His Word in our hearts, and the Word motivates us to serve and minister to others like our Savior. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 reminds us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And the last verse 17 is so important that the man of God may be perfect or mature, thoroughly furnished or equipped unto all good works. Next, we're told that the gifts of evangelist and pastor teacher and this process of equipping, working, and edifying is all to continue till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Because these verses won't be fully realized until the rapture of the church, this is God's way of telling us that His people need to continue being equipped And the saints need to keep doing the work of the ministry. And the body of Christ needs to keep being edified faithfully until that day. We see here that God wants all His church, though, to strive for the unity of the faith. Oneness is to be based around the adherence to and shared understanding of the body of doctrinal truth for today. The unity of the faith. And this unity of the faith is in the context of the sevenfold unity of the Spirit mentioned in verses 4 to 6 of this chapter. There is one body and one Spirit. God wants His church united under this unity of the Spirit and the truth of grace for today as revealed in Paul's epistles. That is the faith. That is the one faith. And God wants the process of equipping, working, and edifying to continue till We all come in the knowledge of the Son of God. The word knowledge is the Greek word epignosis, which means full knowledge. This full knowledge points to the knowledge of Christ according to what He's doing today under grace and His present heavenly ministry and office as the head of the church, the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit wants the church to know Christ and to know Him fully with a full knowledge of Him and how He is working under grace in His exaltation. Coming to the unity of the faith and the full knowledge of the Son of God will lead us towards being a perfect man or spiritually mature. Like Paul wrote in Colossians 1.28, whom, or that is Christ, we, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect or mature in Christ Jesus. And Paul defines what he means by a perfect man when he says, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God wants His church to radiate and reflect Christ and His stature, His fullness, and His character in our lives. The fullness of Christ is God's goal for His church and the goal for the gifts given to the church. We are to continue laboring in the Word and equipping and serving and edifying the church to that end. The purpose of Christ's gifts is so that people will grow by leaps and bounds and being more like Christ. 
Growth is the target of the gifts. Not numerical growth, but deep spiritual growth in Christ, resulting in changed lives, love for the lost, and for fellow believers, and a drive for evangelism and ministry. Ephesians 4.14 reads, "...that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive." As we grow out of spiritual infancy and into greater maturity in Christ, and as we are united in the understanding of the faith for today and in our knowledge of the Son of God, all of this will keep us from being tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. God wants us, as 1 Corinthians 14.20 says, to be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding. Be men. For our spiritual safety and well-being, God wants a solid, mature understanding of His Word for us to be firmly anchored in Christ. God does not want us to be immature and easily swayed, unstable, restless, forever changing our minds, subject to every sort of counterfeit truth, carried away from the truth by every gust of popular or appealing teaching that comes down the pike. False teachers... They create winds of doctrine. And much false teaching is out there, Paul tells us here. And that this is the result of men who dishonestly, deliberately, and deceitfully scheme and cleverly manipulate error to make it look like truth. Those who do not mature in Christ or in the Word are targets and are susceptible to deceivers who are effective and they're dangerous, and they're numerous. And God wants us to know here that there are people who purposely deceive and ensnare people by their teaching. The word slight here speaks of loaded dice throwing. It speaks of how many knowingly cheat and deceive for their own gain and advantage. Cunning craftiness reminds us that they do it with skill, and they have clever ways and arguments in their deception, and they lie in wait to deceive, which refers to a deliberate planning or system of error. They have methods and are organized, and like a lion stalking its prey, they lie in wait, ready to strike and attack when the opportunity is right. All of this together reminds us of the importance of the faithful, gifted leaders Christ has given to the church for the perfecting of the saints. And it further reminds us of our own individual responsibility to be vigilant and always on the lookout and always personally maturing in Christ and staying close to the Word of God so we are not deceived. The word but here has the force of but rather, or but on the other hand, or in contrast to false teachers, or being misled by false doctrine. God wants us to be proclaimers of truth, firmly rooted in truth and not swayed by error. And as people of truth, God wants us to speak His truth and to do it in love, like Christ, out of a concern and burden for others. Our knowledge of the Son of God, 
our understanding of God's Word, our knowledge of the gospel of the grace of God are not things to be kept to ourselves. They are things to share. The world needs Christ, and the world needs truth, and it needs to hear it from the body of Christ. Truth and love go together. Some think it is love to shield the truth from someone when the truth may hurt them. Others harshly speak truth without love. But the balance of speaking truth in love is God's desire for His church. As we proclaim the truth and stand for it, this verse reminds us that this causes us to grow spiritually when we share the truth of God. Ephesians 4.16 says, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working, in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. As we grow up into Christ in all things, we, the body, derive our life and power to grow from Him, our living head. He is the aim and source of our growth. And for the body to grow also, Paul says the body is fitly joined together by Christ. It is carefully and harmoniously fitted together with no one out of place. It is compacted or firmly knit together with one another. Christ has put His church together perfectly, putting us where we are and where we can be used of Him most effectively according to His perfect will, giving us differing gifts, giving us His life and power to enable us in our various ministries. We are all members of one another. We all have our own gifts and duties to perform, and we all need each other's ministry and gifts for the body to function properly. The body is dependent on that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. In other words, the spiritual growth of the body as a whole is dependent on every member doing their part, using their gifts, and serving one another. As it's been said, well, every member helps and is helped, strengthens and is strengthened, whereby the whole body grows and increaseth with the increase of God. We all belong to each other in the church. We affect each other and we need each other. Every member has a ministry to other members. And as each member faithfully and obediently performs their function in God's power, it maketh increase unto the edifying of itself in love. It results in the growing up and maturity and the building up of the body of Christ in love. Every member of the body is joined together by Christ and is vital to the health and harmony of the body. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones stated it so well. In the body of Christ, every single member has responsibility, has a function, and matters. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. 
The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.